0: Welcome everybody. Welcome everybody. So I'm Gemma from Write and Shine. I am delighted to welcome you all here this morning for this very special talk, My Creative Life, with our special guest, award-winning, best-selling author, Diana Evans. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Gemma. Write and Shine runs a programme of early morning writing events, taking inspiration from the rhythm of the seasons and the natural world. And every season we invite an artist or an author to uh, talk to us and tell us about the ways that they live a creative life. Uh, It's a space for people to listen and just reflect on that for themselves. What is creativity to you? How do other people approach their creativity? This season, we've got Diana Evans. She is the author of this wonderful book, Ordinary People, The Wonder, and one of my favourites, 26A. She was the inaugural uh, winner of the Orange Award for New Writers and received many nominations, shortlisting, longlisting for awards like the Guardian First Book Award and the Women's Prize for Fiction. And today for My Creative Life, Diana is going to share insights into her writing process, how she kind of tends to her creativity and the way she incorporates the seasons and the weather in her writing to chart the lives of her characters and the passing of time. I've had the pleasure of rereading Diana's work in preparation for this session. And it's been a real pleasure. Um, Her writing is full of joy, empathy, uh, energy and just extraordinary sentences. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Diana today. So, yes, thanks so much for joining us, Diana. Thank you,
1: Diana. Wow, what an
0: introduction. Well, we're very glad to welcome you to Write and Shine. Um, There is something we need to get out of the way straight away, though, which is you don't actually love mornings, do you?
1: No, I have to say I'm not really a morning person, and it's very unusual for me to be awake uh, as early as I got up this morning, which was about six or something. Normally, around eight thirty is my ideal waking time. So um, I'm in this strange state of between sleep and wake at the moment, which is actually nice, and it's a good time to write. I always have ideas in the morning, just as I'm kind of waking up, but. I rarely have the energy to get up and write it down. So I probably lose a lot of material for being so lazy.
0: I love that you've made a special effort for Write and Shine. We do appreciate yeah, you coming along today. If very early isn't an ideal time for you, what does an ideal writing day look like?
1: Well, I usually start at around 9.30, 10. I have children, so I drop them off at school first. And then I have breakfast. And then I write, I have to eat before I write. And I like to, I, mean, I think that my best time to write is actually mid-afternoon, kind of deep into the afternoon, about three o'clock. But uh, usually I have to kind of do the school run or something at that time. So my timetable kind of adjusted. So now I try and be in that space where I feel like I'm really inside the writing. That now happens at around 12 or noon. I have to have been writing for a couple of hours at least before I feel like I'm really in, in the right zone. It takes me a while to get into it. But, yeah, afternoon is my best time. And mornings are, I like to get a bit of admin done in the morning sometimes or, you know, those practical things that aren't as kind of esoteric as writing because my brain is kind of zingy and alert when I've just sat down to work. and then. Writing, I usually read a bit of poetry before I started for about 10
0: minutes oh that's nice so you sort of do the admin and clear some space get a few things done after your good breakfast and then you can kind of settle down I like that beginning with poetry is that a, a new habit you have had or that's something you've always done
1: oh uh, that's something I've been doing for years since I did my MA in Norwich that was around 15 20 years ago and that was the time where I had the most freedom and time to write because well all I had to do was produce my novel. I didn't really have anything else to do. So if I had a fairly strict kind of daily schedule of I'd wake up in the morning and swim and then I'd read poetry after breakfast, of course, for around 10, 15 minutes and then I'd sit down to write. And then after that, I'd read for a couple of hours. So um, it was a very kind of concentrated, intense, way of working and it's never really left me and I find that the poetry gets me into the rhythm of language and makes me remember what it is about writing that I love so much and the reason why I do it which is to focus on words and to, to play around with words and let them take me on journeys and see where I can go I think the best writing for me is writing that shows that really close attention to language and all the possibilities of language.
0: Yeah, that sounds so beautiful. What an ideal way to start the day, sort of using poetry as an invitation, a sort of pathway into, into the writing. That's lovely. So it sounds like kind of creating space and having you know, some space to play as well is important to you. I've always noticed that authors seem to fall into maybe two camps. There's the ones who, when they they approach their writing and they focus on things like planning and structure and research, and they've got dedicated times that they're they're writing. Plenty of authors have colour-coded post-it notes and spreadsheets and a very clear idea of what they want to do in their writing. Maybe they've done the plan and they know the route forward. And then there's another camp of writers who um, find an intriguing idea. They just start writing. They wander and meander and they follow their curiosity, maybe enjoying the adventure and exploring the path, maybe ending up somewhere unexpected, entirely open, entirely free to see what happens um, in their writing. I wondered which of those two resonated with you or, or how you would describe your own approach to writing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have elements in me of both those camps. I do like to have a sense of structure, especially when I'm working on a novel, because novels are so vast and, and sprawling and, and difficult. And when I set out on a novel, I do feel like I need to have a, at least a very rough plan and sense of where I'm going, a sense of what the destination is. I don't need to know the entirety of the ending, but I need to know the general direction thing. But at the same time, I, I like to keep a sense of freedom in the writing. And, and especially when I'm doing my first draft, it is very, very organic and uh, it's quite messy and chaotic. So I have my loose plan, but I don't work through it chronologically. And as I'm going through, because I feel that the linearity of something really puts me off. So I write according to where I feel the energy is and whatever scenes or moments in a novel feel the most accessible to me at a given point in time, I will work on that scene. And then I gradually build up a collection of scenes, which I can then put into an order that somehow aligns with my original plan, It doesn't always work. Sometimes the plan goes out the window. But um, I always think of Toni Morrison's description of writing as, as a form of archeology, span of, of trying to get to the root of something. And I very much approach writing in that way, like I'm digging for something and looking for something. And I know when I found it, because the writing has an energy and I can feel a pulse as I'm writing, but it's the, the coherence, achieving the coherence, which is the difficult thing with novels. Like you have all this energy and all these moments where the writing really works, but it's making everything hang together, which is the hard. Thing. So um, I have quite a chaotic <laughs> process that strives for uh, neatness and never quite makes it until I'm near the end. Actually, the structure usually doesn't come together until right at
0: the end. It sounds like you really kind of have to trust your process then because, you know, if you're you're working through all these different scenes and you know that they're going to shift around and you're going to have to find a way of holding them together. I wonder if you can say anything about that. Like, How do you persevere or sustain yourself on that path? How do you keep yourself energised to keep writing a bigger piece like a novel?
1: It's, it can be tough. You have to have a lot of faith. I, I have to have a supreme kind of ultimate faith in, in a novel. I have to really want it to exist. And I did have that feeling with all three novels that I've written. I think you need that intensity of faith and belief even to set out on a novel because it's so... Uh, it's so difficult. It's like climbing a mountain. Thing. And if you don't have the the faith, the, the belief in what you're writing, you know, the need for it to exist, then, and um, for me, I would just topple back down. So it's the faith that keeps me going. But there's also other other things that I need, like contact with other writers is very important because writing is such a strange solitary occupation. So writers need other writers. Um, you need to be able to talk to uh, somebody else who's doing this um, strange thing that you're doing who who understands challenges that you're going through um. and nature as well the constancy and the stillness and the peace of nature I also find very helpful because it decreases the general anxiety of writing and you know physical things like swimming and um, running and walking because writing is so sedentary and solitary. I find that there's an increased kind of need for movement. So dancing, swimming, walking. Yeah, I have to keep moving.
0: You have to keep moving. Yeah. I love that combination as well, that kind of stillness that you're talking about and that concentrated, absolute focus. And then I've got a vision of you just breaking away enough. And then off you go to go and uh, swim or dance or just kind of, uh, you know, feel, feel your body, feel, be back in your body again. Yeah. Yeah. Music is really
1: essential as well. And the opposite of writing.
0: Yeah. You use a lot of music in your, your work as well. It's often kind of woven through with song lyrics and characters listen to music a lot. That clearly is something important to you.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. I, I usually listen to music when I finish writing. I, I just feel the need to hear some music. I can't actually write during music unless it's instrumental. I can write it to something like Miles Davis or Coltrane. But yeah, when after that big silence of writing, I find that I need some, some energy, some energy for music.
0: I really love the way that you've put that, the big, the big silence. I mean, that's what a lot of us are you know, trying to cultivate, this idea of the space that we can go into, that big silence, and then thinking about what fills it afterwards um, to fill, fill yourself up again and bring you the energy you need to keep going. That's lovely. Yeah,
1: the thing about writing is actually staying there. You know, it just that's what I've really had to train myself to do, is to stay there in the moment and to just sit there, even if it feels difficult and it's not working. You have to train yourself in stillness.
0: Train yourself in stillness, yeah. That's the trick. Sit on your bum and don't move. Yeah, exactly. That's you put it much better than I do. <laughs> Well, one of the other things we wanted to talk about today is just about the seasons. You know, Write and Shine uh, flows through the year in seasons, taking a lot of inspiration from the world outside, the natural world. And today we wanted to kind of focus in on um, the weather. And, you know, weather has a really mixed reputation in writing and with writers. It can be used a lot to set a scene or for shorthand for a character's emotion. It's often symbolic. And when it's overdone, it can be the bit that the readers skip be too heavy-handed, but when it's done thoughtfully, it can transform a piece of writing. And the use of weather in prose and poetry often says something to us about the world in flux and impermanence. And given where we are in the world now, with the very real climate change, weather just can't be a backdrop in literature, definitely not anymore. And, you know, in rereading your novels, I just love how weather plays such a significant role in telling the story and charting um, the characters' lives. Just two examples I wanted to, to kind of bring today is in your novel, Ordinary People, um, there's a moment where the two of the main characters, Melissa and Michael, take home their second child and they're at the hospital. And I think you describe it as um, it's Sunday morning, the grey day stretch low and mute over Camberwell. It just creates this lovely sense of quiet and stillness at this momentous time in their lives. Um, And of course, a bit of a South London shout out there. And, you know, another moment I really loved is later on in their relationship, um, snow is forecast in the book and you describe it as snow was coming. You could feel it in the knife in the air, in the rip of the breeze. So again, like the readers immediately get this wonderful sense of stress and strain and perhaps the sort of ominous foretelling uh, of what will come in the book. So just two small examples, and I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about that, like how you use the seasons, how you use weather in particular in your writing. Well, we
1: live inside the weather, and it's our conversation with the universe, isn't it, with creation? And I think it was Ernest Hemingway who said that, don't forget the damn weather, and that's always in my head as I'm writing. The weather kind of defines our experience, and it's also really useful as a dramatic advice to uh, focus on character psychology and to scene set, and I always have a desire to to paint life. I see writing as a, as a way of painting, and what I'm trying to do is really paint the weather or, or to create this kind of um, visual sense of of our experience of the weather, and especially with ordinary people, because I was trying to capture the minutiae and the atmospheres of everyday life. The weather was just such an essential component in that. And also because I was working with a span of one year. So I wanted to have a sense of the characters moving through the seasons and how the the seasons kind of impacted on their psychologies or or reflected their psychologies in some way. So, yeah, it's it's about painting painting the weather and it's also so it's so beautiful isn't it the weather is one of those elements where we feel uh, you know the beauty of nature and the aliveness of nature it really is like nature's talking to us so um, I pay pay tribute to it really in the writing or, or try to
0: I can really see that the charting of time in particular, like how the weather will tell the story of time move, moving on, feels like a really powerful device for writers. Um, I wondered how you how you do it. What's the secret? How do you get a strong sense of the weather? Like, Do you keep a, a weather notebook or do you have to have experienced it yourself? When you're writing, are you sort of feeling the rain on your skin or you're feeling the cold of the snow? I wonder if you have any kind of tips for us as writers to think about the role of weather in our writing as well
1: well I try to imagine myself when I'm writing a scene I'm, I'm imagining myself in that scene so I can feel the kind of sensory elements of, of the scene so I can I can feel the air and I can feel the touch of rain or the touch of heat and um, so, so I try and all on that by uh, inhabiting the characters, feeling like I'm inside the characters I'm inside their world and experiencing it as they would experience it and I do keep notes on the weather I, I have a I have a notebook, a general writing notebook that I take around with me where I record moments of weather that I find particularly irresistible like there are a couple of moments in northern people that are, are literally moments where i've Witnessed an an incredible elemental kind of vision of like the sun is doing something amazing or a storm. Storms are incredibly inspiring for writers, you know, as we've seen. And yeah, so I'll just write it down, almost like I'm trying to paint it, trying to capture it in in words, and then and then I will insert it into my narrative if it if it arises at the right moment to do that. I will kind of put it into the narrative but it has to feel like it's it was always there it can't feel um like it's been inserted it has to kind of belong to the scene or the scene has to be deserving of it in some way it's very close analysis and being aware and and alert and taking the time to write something down in that notebook when you really feel called to I think the, write, the muse, the writing, it, it speaks to us, it calls on you. And when you have to write something down, you know you have to write it down.
0: I love that as well. Yeah, a weather, a weather notebook and just making sure you're, yeah, you're paying attention to the weather. And when the inspiration hits you or when you kind of feel a tingle of excitement about the weather, that's a good moment to, yeah, to write it down. OK, this is our tip. We're going to take it away. And well, What I'd love you to, uh, to invite you to now read to us from, um, from ordinary people. That would be a real delight.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So I thought I'd read two moments of weather, Uh, one hot, one cold. So first I'm going to read the cold one, and so this is in February. So we're about a third of the way through the novel now. We're actually more than halfway through the novel, but in terms of the, the span of the year, I think the novel starts in November, and by this point we're in February. In February it snowed. It was a wild white surprise. The snow fell for days in a confusion of climate. Long past Christmas, in the wings of spring, the world was white. Ice on the corners, snow on the hills. Traffic formed on the A roads and the back roads. White stuff piled on rail tracks, halting trains, and increasing signal failures. London does not know what to do with snow. It lives in hope. That if it falls, it will do so lightly and leave smoothly, filling away into ice, the ice disappearing into light, the streets returning to themselves. But this February, no. The fall began on the first day and came down heavy. Before it could disperse, there was more, another layer of difficulty which smothered the rooftops and the tiny surface areas of the thinnest of naked branches making pretty winter trees. Cars would not start and schools were closed. All the buses were cancelled and Heathrow was closed. Even in the centre of town, in Piccadilly and Covent Garden and Trafalgar, those places whose endless activity had the power to nullify movements of weather, where the city itself was the defining factor of experience, making songs of rain, laughter and tooting in the face of sleet. Even they could not shrug this off. It was covered everywhere, the city, the suburbs, white. The Thames formed rafts of ice and closest to the water was coldest of all. Okay, so that was a winter moment and that actually did come from um, close analysis of the snow one February. (laughs) And I kind of elaborated on it a lot as I was writing the scene. Okay, and this is a heat moment. This is in in the high summer in in Spain along the Costa del Sol. For the next two days it rained. It rained almost continually between bouts of weak sunshine not strong enough to conjure rainbows. A gliding, gentle drizzle that made a shushing sound in the air a susurrits rising up from the ground. The beach was damp and deserted and the boys were lonely. The pool seemed wetter, colder, though its surface was broken occasionally by the boldest of the children, Rhea and Jerry, who could not see how rain could be a determined, it falling all around you as you were submerged, making water complete. On the third day a rainbow did emerge spectacularly on the wings of a new blast of sun, and not just one but two, the double arc of multicolour road against the background blue. The sun itself, a neat apricot glow, like a great lost earring, risen from the gloom. The children ran outside to receive it. Slowly, the heat sucked the water from the grass. The yellowed cotton of the Heineken parasol dried, and the barbecue was dragged out from its sheltering bush, ready for the final Friday night fiesta. And that also was from a moment of observation of weather the sun kind of coming into the sky after rain so that was close closely observed and placed into my notebook and <laughs> drawn on at the right time
0: perfect thank you so much what yeah two very contrasting readings and uh, I love what your your words about being inside the writing and it's sort of going around in my head. It just feels like with both of those pieces, you're you're in it and you're you're feeling it. It is so evocative. I must admit, I like the sunshine. I appreciate that today. The blast of sunshine you've given us. That's nice. Yeah, thank you. It's just come out, actually. the sun. Perfect timing. Um, well, I just love how you use weather as sort of a camera lens as well. You're sort of zooming in and out of, of moments and looking closely at characters and how characters are responding to give kind of space and depth and layers to the, to the story. Do you have a favourite kind of weather? Is there one like you kind of hold the storm up your sleeve or something? You're like waiting for the moment where you can bring the storm or something. Do you have a favourite weather that you like to use um, in your writing?
1: Yeah, I do like a storm. <laughs> and yeah, I tend to use storms when I'm writing an argument. Storms come in handy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think the moon is one of the things that is 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 too often observed uh, in, in writing. And I always have to fight with myself not to mention the moon <laughs> because I'm fascinated by the moon and I would write about it all day if I could. And um, so yeah, I have I find it I have to be really selective but also always be drawing on the weather as a way of, you know, pulling the characters through the story, through the thread of the story. It's it's really useful as punctuation. It's kind of like punctuation, weather. It's kind of those pauses between, between action. And it's a way of kind of underlining and highlighting the, existence of the characters you know they're very existent in in the earth by focusing on what the earth is actually doing so it gives this sense of reality it adds this depth to the characters i find and grounds them in something otherwise you know if there's no weather then the characters are kind of they don't feel as alive they're just floating around in space so it's a grounding device as well as well as the chart charting of time dramatic device. So yeah, it's it's essential.
0: Don't forget the weather. Don't forget the weather I love that. I think that's a really useful tip for us all to kind of take away, like if we're struggling with a piece of writing to kind of hone in or, or just think about the weather. What what's happening inside, you know, inside the room or outside the room, what's the weather doing? Because like it will both ground the the character and the story in a, a moment in time, but also us as writers, it kind of grounds you in a, a sense of reality and um the context of the wider world. I love it. Yeah, I think some of the best writing is is
1: about the weather because it it is this incredible gift that we've been given and and we have, you know, constant immediate access to as, you know, as as something to write about. It's it's one of the most satisfying things, I find. Uh, It's one of the areas where my writing feels most free, most joyous, most alive, where I can really just roll around in the world and, in the world of the words and, and really use them to their fullest potential because it is it is a gift that's been given to us that we can just play with and watch and 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 use in our in the lives of our characters
0: great yeah what a gift well to close really um i asked diana to share some of her favorite examples of weather in fiction and in literature just showing the way that other other Writers have used weather, and it's played a really key key role. So, yeah, Dan, I know you've got a couple of examples you wanted to share with us.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd read from *The God of Small Things*. Arundhati Roy. She's one of my favourite writers, and this is one of my favourite books ever. And it opens with a, a portrait of May in I'm in um in India, and it just sets the scene of the novel in, in such a beautiful way. May in Imanem is a hot brooding month. The days are long and humid. The river shrinks and black crows gorge on bright mangoes in still dust green trees. Red bananas ripen, jackfruits burst. Dissolute blue bottles hum vacuously in the fruity air. Then they stun themselves against clear window panes and die flatly baffled in the sun. The nights are clear and suffused with sloth and sullen expectation, But by early June, the southwest monsoon breaks and there are three months of wind and water with short spells of sharp, glittering sunshine that thrilled children snatch to play with. The countryside turns an immodest green. Boundaries blur as topiaca fences take root and bloom. Brick walls turn moss green. Pepper vines snake up electric poles. Wild creepers burst through laterite banks and spill across the flooded road. Boats ply in the bazaars, and small fish appear in the puddles that fill the PWD potholes on the highways.
0: It was raining
1: when Rahel came back to Iminum. Slanting silver ropes slammed into loose earth, firing it up like gunfire. I love that image of the rain ploughing the ground up like gunfire. That's just so powerful. Okay, and another uh, little clip is from Chinua Achebe. It's just like a sentence. And he's describing the storm, one of my favourite weather elements. It was a dark night and rain was preparing to fall. Thunder rumbled with a deep liquid voice and flash answered flash. I thought that was such a brilliant way to describe a storm, flash answer and flash.
0: That's such an interesting approach, isn't it? That the the weather in some ways having a conversation with itself and with you and with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we do have a, a few more minutes. And was there another one that you um, you had or were interested um, in? Uh, this is
1: a really short one from Elizabeth Strout, Olive Patrice. And she's a writer who who just describes the weather and nature endlessly and it creates such a rich richness to her stories spring came daylight lengthened melted the remaining snows so the roads were wet forsythias bloomed clouds of yellow into the chilly air then rhododendrons screeched their red heads at the world Screeching flowers
0: i love that that's it's interesting isn't it because i think the the what you're reminding us of is just how how the weather allows you as a writer to use all of the senses as well. There's kind of sound and there's kind of there's light and there's you know there's everything going on there. Even kind of smells kind of finding its way in as well. It's a really good um tool for us to yeah to use in that way. Just use every every bit every bit of our senses um to write yeah. it out
1: and also, yeah and the, and the what you can do in personifying the weather it's incredible. You know the idea of of screeching flowers and and the flash of thunder speaking to a flash of uh, another flash of thunder by kind of drawing on on human qualities and applying them to the weather you can just do incredible things
0: perfect thank you so much we have got a few questions here diana Um i know there's a number of diana evans fans here so let's see um we've got a question from parin here who says how do you suggest a 41-year-old without any experience of writing practice, how do they establish one? He'd love writing to be a hardwired daily activity rather than a struggle. So a kind of tips on having kind of a regular writing practice.
1: Yes, I, I think um, regularity is very important and, and a sense of momentum. I think the first thing is, is kind of accepting that that writing is a struggle and it is difficult, um, but it also has lots of rewards. And if you can just stay in that, that difficult space for long enough to reach the fruits and to reach the rewards, then um, I think that is part of the. That's part of the struggle is accepting the struggle, but a way of doing that is by giving yourself regularity in your writing because it just creates a kind of groundedness if you're sitting down to do it every day. I try to write every weekday at least. So because writing is my job, I I do it all through the working day, most of the working day. But if you do have another job and you need to fit writing around that, I would say to try and write for at least an hour. Try and see if you can fit in an hour a day at, at a time that is right for you and that you know you will be able to make. And keep the promise to the writing, keep the promise to yourself that you will sit down to write at your allocated time. And, and you sit there and you just produce something in the time that you have. And just that re- regular practice of sitting down, writing is a form of meditation. It does often feel like meditation for me. It's a training in stillness um, and to stay sitting in that place and applying yourself to, to the work. And then have a sense of what you want to write about as well. Really explore and keep a sense of freedom in your writing. Don't feel like you have to write like somebody else or you have to read certain books. Um, Really follow the the call within you that wants to write. Follow your instinct. So, yeah, instinct, regularity, um, and accepting the struggle.
0: (laughs) accepting the struggle yeah it's probably another reason why reading and writing about the weather is is quite useful to sort of get out some of that um the struggle and the tensions like you say writing about storms writing about crazy rain can kind of help you express some of the things that you're you're feeling and experiencing um, as well
1: yeah and you can always write something I, I don't really believe in writer's block I mean I know lots of writers do suffer from blocks but I don't accept I don't accept writer's block. I think you can always write something even if it's just free writing, even if you can't actually work on a novel or a story that you might be working on. You can, you can always write a few sentences each and it could just be about the weather and just that sense of um doing it regularly and that you have actually produced something will make it easier for you to sit down and um carry on and maybe go back into the novel the next day. It's not like though
0: 41 is,
1: you know, Lots of to start later than
0: that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, following your own path is so important. Yeah. The, the time is right when the time is, is right. And I really like what Diana, I feel like I'm making notes and kind of keeping uh, my Diana tips here. Just, you know, maybe starting in the morning with writing about the weather. Maybe that's just a great way in to where you sit down every day and you just chart the weather. Just ch- start charting the weather for a while and seeing what that turns into.
1: Yeah, I have a great book. It's called A Writer's Book of Days. And it has a writing prompt for every day of the year. I can't remember who it's by, but if you just look it up, a Writer's Book of Days, it's a great book to just to get you started, you know, for early writers. Uh, You can do free writing exercises on the prompts, the the daily prompts, but you can also read. There's loads of advice on on keeping faith and working out who you are as a writer and loads of things. I'd highly recommend that book, a Writer's Book of Days.
0: More questions here for you, Diana. Um, Really thinking about your your approach to creativity. Anna says, um, it's really refreshing to hear you talk about being a mother and be creative. Thanks for um, answering that aspect of your life. Um, She wonders how you manage the balance of having a mindful practice and attending the the daily demands of being a parent. She's returning to creativity after a long time away and raising children. So, you know, it's a question that really matters to her.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And it is difficult to 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 manage both things, to manage the creative life and the demands of parenting, because they're both they're both very all-consuming. They require, you know, all of you, and so it's difficult to to strike that balance. But what I try and do is create a separation, so that when I'm in my writing space, I don't tend to anything to do with the parenting and try and put that side of my life away. Uh, I close the door and close the door on that stuff. <laughs> and so that my space is just for me and my writing. It doesn't always work. Sometimes things do creep in and the boundaries blur a little. But if, if I can just hold on to that sense of there being a, a separation so that when i'm in my parenting space i'm able to fully apply myself and when i'm in my writing space i'm able to be there completely so yeah and also to writing retreats are really useful if you can get away for a couple of weeks at least there's there's an amazing place called hedgebrook in the us that i went to for a couple of months this was before i had before i had kids um but there's other places like orthundon castle and the Gladstone Library, both of those are in the UK. Even the Arvon courses are great because you get a week away in, in a kind of rural landscape, which is very inspiring. But just the process of, of being away somewhere else, from away from your life, can really kind of focus your writing and, and give you a feel for your creativity that you can then take back with you. But if you if you can't get away, I think just establishing that separation is really crucial
0: yeah establishing a separation being able to close the door having some space yeah and now we're moving to hopefully out of lockdown and into the world again so retreats opening up or even creating your own retreat for a week just kind of dedicating that week to writing or having some having some space at home if you can yeah exactly um some more questions coming in um this one's from jane where do you draw your inspiration for the content of your writing? Is it mainly from personal experience or is it imagination?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of both, actually. I mean, my initial desire to, to write, it usually comes from personal experience. It's feelings that I experience personally or moments or called major life events. I mean, that's how I started writing initially. I started writing in, in my teenage years and and it was just by keeping a diary, journaling, and I was journaling about very personal things, um, things that I was learning and experiencing. And the, the essence, the, the call to write has remained the same. It, it usually comes from within. It's this desire to document and to paint and to, to kind of capture how something has felt. But at the same time, I like to draw in other elements so the, I like to draw in supernatural elements and historical elements. And I often draw on biographical material. For example, in my, in my second novel, The Wonder, which is set in the dance world, I started that by reading lots of different dance biographies, such as Alvin Ailey, and Lucia Joyce, who is James Joyce's daughter, who was a dancer. And also Vaslav Nijinsky, who I became quite obsessed by as I was writing. And just elements of their lives as, da- as dancers kind of crept their way in, into the novel. So sometimes it's an amalgamation of, of reality and biography and the imagination and, and also the supernatural. Uh, so I'm creating kind of a, a soup of these different elements. If I just try and write the real story, that initially spot the idea for something if i just write it as in, in a realist way staying very close to the truth of something i i tend to get a, a little bit bored and, and the writing feels very flat so so i draw from these um other elements as well to make it feel um, more exciting and to to make me feel like i'm working with a, a dramatic kind of piece the material becomes more dramatic that way But I need real life to kind of fuel the story in the first place.
0: Yeah, combination of things. It's a good question. Soup. I love that. Mixing it all together because the brain is just like a problem solving device, isn't it? You can put all those things in there and then you've just got to work your way of, you know, mix them all together and see what happens and see what your brain does with them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Shani has a question here. How have you found writing during the pandemic? Big question. Have you written anything about COVID? Hmm. gosh yeah I mean
1: for, for writers have, have probably had a better experience of the pandemic than lots of people because our lives haven't really changed that much I mean at least mine hasn't because I mean I work in my study most of the day and that hasn't really changed the only thing that's changed really is that the the children have been around a lot more which has been the main challenge of it trying to kind of maintain that sense of separation so yeah I've, I've been writing consistently through it when my time is more challenged I've kind of drawn on I've grabbed at time to write at maybe an hour or a couple of hours a day rather than five or six hours a day and just trying to I've, I've written the first draft of a novel and I'm working on the second draft now which is that's the hard bit, though, the second draft. That, that's going to take a lot longer. i um, not quite sure how long I'll be working on this novel. I'm hoping it won't take me seven years like Ordinary People did. That's the longest project I've done. I'm hoping I'll be, I might be able to finish it by the end of this year. And I haven't written anything about the pandemic. I've, I've written a couple of short things, one for The Guardian, I think a couple for The Guardian about the experience of lockdown and the emotional impact of lockdown. But I think in terms of fiction, I would like to address it at some point because it's just this, it's such a huge kind of earth change that that we're going through and the way we live has changed, is changing. I don't think we're ever going to return to the normality that we knew. And that takes, for a writer, that takes a lot of um, digestion and um, really considering what the world is now, what life looks like now. So probably in, in a few years, I, I will write something about it. But now, while we're living inside it, it's quite difficult to to see the wood
0: from the trees. Yeah, that really makes sense. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to kind of know where to even begin uh, with it right now. And also it's been a lot... A long, a long period of time, a year, more than a year, about how to choose and encapsulate what you'd write about during that time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I usually need
1: some distance between, between now and then in order to write
0: to write on it. Okay. Um, you are such a great uh, writer of relationships between people, what they say as much as what they don't say. Is that something you say comes naturally to you, or is that a skill that you've developed as a writer? You mean, observing relationships or, or dialogue. Um, well, I think observing relationships—how people are with each other.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's one of the most fascinating things for me, along with the weather. Uh, I mean, human human relationships. I write about human relationships, familial relationships, romantic relationships. You know, watching how human beings behave towards one another. That's one of the reasons writers write, I think, we're observing human interaction and it's about the way people talk to each other. And I do observe that really closely and, and all that goes in my notebook as well, elements of dialogue. I'm fascinated by the way men and women communicate with one another and that was one of the most satisfying things actually to write in ordinary people trying, trying to inhabit um, male and female minds at the same time. And really trying to capture the psychology of what's happening in the psychologies of characters in those interactions. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's all about close observation. And uh, thinking about the way the characters observe one another is really important as well in bringing characters to life is um, witnessing them through another character's eye. I mean, that's why the, the interactional element of character is so important, because the character comes to life in contrast with other characters. You know, when, when I'm composing, I'm always thinking about how characters reflect off one another, that they should contrast and conflict in some way, and because it shows us something about the characters, but also about the world that they inhabit. So characters are kind of mouthpieces and relationships between characters are a way of
0: deepening who they are. Lovely. It does sound like it's something that you've got within you. It's always interesting as a writer to kind of think about what things you, you lean towards or what things you, you're naturally interested in, where your curiosity is. Um, and it sounds like that's for you people and how, how they are with each other. Uh, is something you're naturally curious about. So, you know, it's something that comes to the fore in your writing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I really love writing dialogue. I mean, it's, it's really such fun. It's one of my favourite things. Oh, is it? How you can just bring voices to life on the page. It's really such fun. And I remember when I first writing, I was writing, I was really scared of dialogue. I didn't know how to do it. And I felt that I couldn't do it. But when you really embrace the power of dialogue, it's just this electric tool that we have at our fingertips.
0: Yeah. And I suppose it relates to your interest in music and movement as well, that sense of how the the words people speak say so much about them and give a kind of rhythm and energy to to the writing.
1: Yes, yeah. And and um novels speak, you know, to hear elements of dialogue as I'm just going about my daily life and I always write them down because it's the novel speaking to me and
0: I, I have to let the novel speak. You have to let the novel speak, how lovely to gently and sadly bring us to a close but it's been a really great reminder of the power of weather the power of the seasons the power of listening to ourselves and how we're responding um, to the natural world Uh, and also that top tip of keeping a weather notebook i'm going to start doing that so i will just say thanks so much Danny. you've been so generous and thoughtful this morning what a lovely morning Uh, thanks so much everyone for coming along many of you know write and shine has a program of morning writing events all through the year season by season and we have an online library of writing courses too all the details are on our website write-and-shine.com but with that, I will just say, hooray, how wonderful. What a nice way to spend the morning. Uh, thanks so much for coming. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the talk today. Thanks especially to Diana for getting up early, joining us um, and sharing so many insights. And to all of you, I hope the rest of your day is filled with lovely creative ideas and inspiration. So thank you all again for coming. That
1: was really good talking to you,
0: Gemma. It was lovely. And
1: it's nice to be up early.